I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast, the number one spirituality podcast on iTunes. My name is Emma Mumford and I'm your host. I'm the UK's leading law of attraction expert, award-winning life coach, two times best-selling author, manifestation YouTuber, speaker, and badass spiritual queen. I'm here to help you awaken and turn your dream life into an abundant reality and help you create your positively wealthy life full of happiness, abundance, and joy. I do this through sharing the power of law of attraction and spirituality. I hope my podcast will inspire you to raise your game and start living your best life today. Without further ado, let's get started with this week's episode. So thank you so much, gorgeous souls, for joining me for another one of my Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast episodes today. I am so excited to have the wonderful Emma Lovey with us today. So Emma, if you don't know, is an editor and author based in New York City. She is the Health and Sustainability Director at Mind Body Green, the author of Return to Nature, The New Science of How Natural Landscapes Restore Us, and the co-author of The Spirit Almanac, A Modern Guide to Ancient Self-Care. Welcome to the show, Emma. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Great, uh, great name. <laughs> yeah. So two Emma's creating magic here today. I'm excited <laughs> for it. <laughs> and I'm really excited to talk about all your work as well, because it's really deeply fascinating. And we haven't had anything like this on the podcast before. So I'm sure everybody listening is going to be super excited to learn all about nature today. But before we dive into the goodness, I really want to talk about your spiritual awakening. This is a question that I ask every guest that comes on the podcast. So when did you spiritually awaken? What's your story? And would you class yourself as spiritual? Yeah, so definitely a fun question. I've been trying to think of like a succinct answer. And I think that's part of the journey of life. Sometimes there isn't a succinct answer. So I'm just gonna gonna go for it. Um, definitely would consider myself more spiritual. Um, I think that in terms of my sort of awakening, I think about it in a few different ways. Um, I'm someone who grew up on the water, uh, the coastal area of Connecticut. So I always loved like going to the water and sort of spending time at the beach and that was always just very much me as a child. Um, and I think that my sort of a day in my life that really changed my path was actually organizing a beach cleanup at the um, beach near my near my home where I invited like friends and classmates and 
Christmas community members to go and pick up trash on this beach together. And it sounds so simple and like cute, whatever, but just having that experience of like seeing people gather outdoors and nature and like come together over something that's like improving our community. It was just like really beautiful to me. And that was sort of the day that I decided I wanted to go into the field where I am right now, um, just sort of at the intersection of wellness, spirituality and environmentalism. So I credit that day with a lot in my life. I can imagine. And like you say, like it was that pivotal moment that really got you onto this purpose, got you onto that path as such, which is hugely important to your journey and to your story. So can you explain to us like what you do on a day-to-day basis for your purpose, for your work? Yeah. So right now, as you mentioned, I'm the um, health and sustainability director at Mind Body Green. So I work with a lot of really incredible writers and thought leaders to sort of help them share their ideas. I do a lot of editing, um, a lot of just like meeting with folks and learning about like what's new and interesting in their space. Um, So it's really fun. I think I'm someone who always loves like learning and I'm a very curious person and I sort of want to know a little bit about everything. So having that opportunity is really special to me. Um, I'm not writing a book right now, but when I am writing, that's sort of like my me time almost, you know, it's books are obviously so much longer than, you know, news articles or writing for the web. So that's, I think, when I have a bit more of a routine around the actual process of writing and sort of getting into flow and all that good stuff. Um, So yeah, it's a mix of a few different things, but mostly writing and editing. Love that. Well, let's dive into your work then. Let's dive into all the goodness. So how can spending time outdoors help us to de-stress? Yeah, so it's there's so many answers to that question, which is so exciting. I think, um, you know, my most recent book, Return to Nature, is split up into eight different chapters and each chapter is a different landscape in nature. So think, you know, mountains, forests, deserts, um, and it sort of explores the research that's going on about why being in that landscape is so good for us mentally and physically. Um, so that was, you know, incredible to learn more just about just how many different ways that nature really touches us on a daily basis and how we can make our journeys outside a bit, you know, more impactful for our mental health and our stress levels. Um, but I'd say sort of top level, you know, one thing that nature seems to do really well is it sort of directs our attention outwards. So say you're, you know, ruminating on something, you're thinking about a problem over and over again, you can't really get out of your head about it. I think it's something I struggle with a lot and I would imagine other folks do too. Um, Walking outside and just even looking outside and taking in sort of natural scenery for, you know, there are a few theories as to why, but it does seem to like take our attention away from the problem at hand and allow our minds to just rest. I feel like we're constantly go, go, go. but there is some theories as to why, you know, just looking out onto green space can be really, really relaxing for the mind. And it shows up in things like, you know, lower heartbeat, lower levels of stress hormones like cortisol. So we know really, you know, there's solid evidence that it actually does make a really big difference. Yeah. And I think even on like a really practical level, like I know when I've had like a really busy, stressful day, the one thing I love to do and ever since getting my dog, it's been amplified so much more is just go on a walk and just go to my local park and, you know, walk on the grass or sit on the grass and even just spending that time inhaling fresh air, like 
just the world of good. Like I can't even describe how it shifts me massively. And, you know, like in my work, I massively talk about grounding and the importance of like grounding ourselves in. And if you're feeling triggered or emotionally wired, like, you know, yes, moving your body, but sometimes that can be just going and sitting in nature or going to your favorite, um, beautiful nature spot locally, or, you know, like on the equinoxes and solstices, again, like getting outside, being in nature. Like I feel like nature has I guess like amplified my spiritual practices so much more over the last few years and I feel so more and more cool to working with nature because I just feel the benefits of it from the divine feminine energy side of things but also from the spiritual connection to myself to mother earth to having that grounded practice where no matter what happens no matter what shakes me throughout the day I always can rely on nature to really just help like you say de-stress take those moments and I find as well like even um if I felt quite busy sometimes taking walks or just walking the dog or whatever gives me that time to actually process and think of the things I need to think about or need to address sort of internally so I feel like uh nature's very good therapy sometimes (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And again, I think, yeah, it's something that we all sort of feel intuitively. So it's interesting to dig into like the research as to why. And also just talk to people about their sort of different experiences in nature. You know, you mentioned you have a more like spiritual relationship to it, which is awesome. And I think a lot of people can relate to that as well. I also think like changing of the seasons can be a really beautiful cue for doing more, you know, spiritual work and, you know, relaxing in winter and being more active in summer and, you know, sort of feeling those energies in your day-to-day life, I think is a beautiful practice. Yeah, absolutely. And like, obviously I'm very lucky. I live next to the beaches here. So I'm very lucky to live in a very beautiful part of the world. And I think sometimes people can really struggle to immerse themselves in nature, whether they're in cities or tight landscapes and things. So your work focuses on nature immersion. And I'm so excited because I actually don't know what this is. So what is nature immersion and how can nature experiences, sorry, how can we have nature experiences close to home? Yeah, absolutely. So I think a nature immersion, I would just consider it like going out into nature with the intention of really connecting to place and, you know, not necessarily heading out on your phone or, you know, with a bunch of different distractions, but making it a bit more intentional and, you know, making it a time to really disengage with your surroundings. Um, And I think that, you know, there are tons of different ways to do it depending on where you live and even you know city dwellers like myself I live in uh, Brooklyn New York so don't have a ton of access to pristine nature but have really gotten into the habit of like trying to immerse myself in what I do have and focusing in even on small things like a street tree or you know the view of the lovely East River that's outside my window. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be some grand getaway. You can really have those, like I call them like micro moments in nature every day and they can be just as restorative. Definitely, definitely. And I think it's even like inviting the nature into your home as well. Like I found before I had an abundance of houseplants in my life in my home. Um, You know, I did feel quite disconnected, but I feel like even if it's really rainy outside or, you know, I do not want to go outside because it's cold, wet, windy, whatever. um, I feel like obviously my back garden helps, but having even plants in the home, like I feel really just boosts my mood, like boosts my productivity, helps me to feel more grounded as well. Like, is there any science behind that and houseplants and things? 
Yeah, definitely. So it's a fun question. You know, I think, you know, here, I know where I am, housewinds have become really all the rage and I have quite a few myself. Um, I love them. And there is, you know, some research to show that they are relaxing too. I um, interviewed this amazing uh, researcher for the book. He's actually a horticultural therapist. So he like brings houseplants and different types of plants into a hospital setting and helps people who are staying and recovering from, you know, surgery. Um, basically just like plant their own plant and have it in their room and they will, you know, talk about the plant and talk about their memories of plants. And it actually, you know, they did one small study to find that people who had that program actually recovered quicker and were able to go home faster than those who did not. So, you know, I think that's a really beautiful reminder that even if you can't necessarily go outdoors, there are ways to bring that side in. It's not exactly the same thing, but I think it can still be beneficial. Um, houseplants are a great way to do that. If you're someone who has like a pet or something and can't really have houseplants, I think even just, you know, hanging up photos of a, a natural space that you love can be a beautiful thing to do. You can bring in, you know, little, little relics from the outdoors, like, you know, bark or any sort of natural element. Um, but I also think that sounds of nature can be really fun to bring into home. So I personally want to have like a little water feature one day. I'm like, waiting for the right opportunity to bring that in but even just playing the you know the sounds of waves there's also some research to show that that can be relaxing and you know sort of soothing so I would encourage you to think about all your senses as you're designing your nature filled home mm. and it's really interesting because um I don't know if you can see behind me this way <laughs> there we go that way um I've got um a beautiful neutral beach landscape and before years ago I had like words and inspirational quotes in my office and I loved that um and then I really thought like oh my gosh I just really want the ocean in here I just really want to look every time I look above my computer to a really relaxing image and honestly like the amount of calmness and balanced energy in this office now just from having that one ocean picture um and it's a nice calm gentle ocean it's not like a rough sort of like big wave or anything it's like a nice gentle or sure um feels so good to me when I'm sat there working like it feels nice to look at reminds me and connects me to nature so I think it's definitely true of even just having imagery or sounds like you said can help us to connect um if you don't have those things right on your doorstep which is really really good um so moving on then so what are the eight landscapes and what are their health benefits yeah, so the eight landscapes that I sort of identify in the book, and granted, these are pretty, um, what's the right word? They're pretty arbitrary. Like, I sort of just chose things based on the research and what buckets it would fit into. But obviously, when you go outside, you can experience multiple landscapes at one place. So, you know, you can have trees, um, you can have a river environment. So, um, but the ones in my book are parks and gardens. Um, and parks and gardens are really, I can go through like a tiny bit about the benefits of each as we go, but um, parks and gardens are really where a lot of the like environmental psychology research, so looking into why being outside is so good for our, our mental health um, is being done just because they're tend to be pretty accessible. They're close to like college campuses where a lot of this work is being you know carried through. Um, and so parks and gardens are interesting. That's really where we sort of first discovered that even just, you know, looking out onto green space, whether it's a open lawn or a grassy field, um, can just like relax the mind. Uh, the theory as to why this happens is one of them is called the tension restoration theory. And again, it gets at that idea that, you know, looking out onto a natural environment, maybe it's because we like inherently, you know, we come from nature and we sort of inherently feel this pull to it. But 
for whatever reason, it really causes our attention to relax. Um, and it just gives us an outward focus of um, just somewhere to sort of watch our mind that isn't as like chaotic as, you know, our internal worlds can be sometimes. Um, so yeah, parks, I think are a beautiful place to go. If you have a meditation practice, um, you know, you can do it out there. One of the practices that I shared in that chapter that actually got a lot of sort of buzz from people was um, cloud spotting. So just looking up at the sky and like seeing shapes in the clouds. I feel like that's something we do as a kid, but can be a really beautiful practice for adults too. I know there's actually a cloud spotting society over in the UK. Um, and I talked I to want them. to join. Where is that? Oh, you should. <laughs> the founder was so cool, Gavin. Um, so yeah, I would encourage, I encourage adults to bring that back for sure. Um, then we have forests, which are super fascinating environment. Um, a lot of the research there is being done actually out of Japan, um, just also the site of Shirinyoku forest bathing. I don't know if you're familiar with this concept, but um, forest bathing is really cool. It's also, to me, I think inherently, you know, spiritual. It's essentially the idea that you know, you're going out into a forest with the intention of like really bathing your senses. Um, and so it requires, or it invites people to go through a forest very, very, very slowly. Like I think typically we go and have a destination in mind and walk quickly and all that, but, you know, really encourage yourself to slow down, um, feel the environment around you. You cover a very small amount of ground and, you know, a fairly long period of time, but you know, I think in slowing down, it really helps you engage with your surroundings and engage all of the senses. So one fun forest breathing practice that I like that I, I was thinking about this week was um, you stand in the forest and you pretend that you're in like a snow globe environment. We visualize that. Um, and then you close your eyes in here. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
what sound is like furthest away from you that would be hitting the glass of the snow globe. Um, and you sort of spend a few minutes with that sound and then you can move closer and latch onto the sound that feels closest to you. Um, and it's just a nice, simple practice, but I think just with the layers of sound that tend to occur in a forest environment, it can be really relaxing and, and special. Um, so that's forest. Mountains are a really fun chapter. Um, you know, mountains, I think if you're someone who likes hiking, they will probably appeal to you. But even if you live like at the foot of mountains, like I know my mom is over in Vermont and she has a view of mountains and, you know, she talks a lot about just like the feeling of awe that she feels in the morning walking out onto these giant, you know, structures of nature and Oz, uh, you know, the focus of a lot of um, interesting research right now, they're finding that, you know, awe, which is basically what we feel when we're like presented with a vast environment, it makes us like question our place in the world almost and makes us feel, you know, inherently small, which can actually, it seems like be a really good thing for like mental health and mental processes just because it allows us to even feel like we have, like as such a small part of a greater world, we like have more almost like agency and time. So it shows, you know, there's been research to show that people who feel more awe tend to also do, like feel like they have more time, give more to others, maybe because they feel like they have, you know, time and energy to give um, and also tend to be a bit more creative and like think outside of the box. So I think that is really cool. Um, and then, I'll say your favorite landscape and then we can maybe take a quick break, but um, the ocean, like the coast, it's just, there's so much there. Um, you know, I mentioned the sounds of the water. I think that's a really big, you know, reason that so many people like yourself feel really drawn to the coast. Um, you know, there's some theories that it sort of mimics the sounds that we hear when we're in the womb. And that's why we feel, you know, such an inherent connection to that place. Um, you know, also just like the pattern of the waves, I think is super soothing to look out on. And that's a practice that I've started just living on, you know, river environment, just looking at the waves sort of like crash against, you know, the shore. I think it can be a really beautiful metaphor for life. And also just, I don't know, it's again, it's like a relaxing thing to latch your attention onto. So I've been practicing if I'm like stressed at work or you know, feeling, feeling emotional, I'll just look out onto the waves instead of like scrolling through my phone. Um, and it's definitely more mentally restorative. I think we all need that tip. <laughs> like I definitely <laughs> would rather watch the waves than scroll on my phone. And I yeah. think it's interesting because like we live in a society and environment that is so switched on, that is so connected, but through technology, when actually like I find that I am generally my most happiest when I'm in nature, like some of my happiest memories, or if you were like, Emma, what's your ideal day or ideal day out? You know, it would be go to the beach. It would be go on a nice walk. It would be totally immersed in nature. And I think so many of us crave that more and more. Um, but it's interesting that we also feel probably quite guilty for thinking you know like right let's take the afternoon off and go out and sit in nature or go to the park or whatever um so why do you think we are so connected virtually and on devices all the time and working and switched on and why do you feel that call to nature is coming more I don't want to say into fashion but like to the forefront yeah that's a great question I mean I think that it's interesting to consider just how much time we do spend online and on devices just on average. It's, 
it's pretty staggering. I feel like there aren't really any like good data around it, but some of the numbers I saw were like 87% of our time is spent indoors or in a car uh, for Americans, which is pretty mind boggling. And, you know, when you consider the fact that we like evolved out in nature and that's sort of in some senses where we inherently belong, like that divorce, I think is really damaging in a lot of ways. Um, one of the main sort of thesis of the book is also that, you know, by separating ourselves from nature and spending so much time inside and on tech, it's also bad for our sense of like environmentalism. And I think it makes us feel like, oh, nature is something that's like out there. Like we don't have to do anything to like protect it or, you know, worry about how our actions are impacting it. So um, I think that it's like dangerous on a lot of levels. And I hope that there is an awakening to that, you know, as you mentioned, if, if there is, I think it really just is coming out of necessity. Like people are realizing more and more that, you know, being inside is just not the same for their, you know, health and outlook as, as stepping outdoors, no matter where they live. Like, you know, even if it isn't a city environment, um, I think the outdoors just has so much to offer. Mm. Massively, massively. Okay, well, let's get back to the landscapes then. Yeah. What else have we got? <laughs> Cool. Okay. So we covered four. The last four are um, one that's gotten a lot of attention after the book, which I've been kind of surprised by, but it makes sense is um, the ice and snow chapter. So granted ice and snow is not, you know, a landscape in itself, but I was curious to learn more about how, you know, ice and snow really transform different landscapes and, you know, how we can get out in them in a way that isn't like super painful and terrible. Um, I don't know about you, but I just am not like a winter person necessarily by, you know, by my own volition. Um, but doing right, writing this chapter actually did really change the way that I view that, that season. Um, basically, you know, all the research is showing that even if an environment is like cold and inhospitable, as long as you're prepared for it, you can still have, you know, some of that mental restoration and sort of cognitive boost if you step outside. So there's that sort of scientific part of it. Um, but I also, I think spiritually, the snow presents a really beautiful opportunity in the way that it promotes silence. Like I know living in New York City, the city is never really quiet unless it's like just after a snowfall. It has that like blanket of white. It's very still, very quiet, which I think is a beautiful opportunity to just like get outdoors and like soak that in if you can. Um, I talked to one really incredible um, acoustic ecologist for the book. So he studies like how different sounds and nature affect us. Um, and he's a, he called silence like the ultimate, I want to say the ultimate opportunity. I'm like, you know, butcher what he said, but he just put it in a really beautiful way. So, you know, I think seeing that sort of potential in a snowy landscape um, has definitely changed the way that I approach winter and made me slightly less of a, a snow baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's ice and snow. Desert is a super interesting chapter. Again, I think this one is sort of inhospitable if you don't if you didn't grow up in a desert environment or aren't as used to, you know, sweltering heat if you're in, you know, a hot desert. Um, but again, there, I think there's opportunity there too. One of the themes in the desert that I, I sort of explored was this idea that it can have a really beautiful wide um, horizon line um, and just like present you with a ton of sky and open space more so than, you know, maybe a heavily wooded environment. Um, and that's a really, you know, beautiful opportunity too, I think, to just like look out, see that open space. Um, and again, there's, you know, reason to believe that by looking out onto just like a 
a desert horizon. It like frees up our minds to be more creative um, and also helps us problem solve. Um, it's super cool. I talked to this like neuroscientist for the book who basically said, you know, think about when you're trying to solve a problem, your eyes sort of inherently go to like a blank wall or something as you're thinking about it. And the reason being that that's sort of your body inherently trying to minimize outward distraction so you can focus on the problem at hand. Um, so, you know, places like the desert and nature, I think sort of provide an opportunity to do that uh, very easily, which is cool. Uh, then we have rivers. Rivers are a really cool environment for me personally. And I know I've talked to a few other people who feel this way as well. Like rivers can be a really beautiful place for reflection um, and revisiting a river from your past and sort of watching, you know, the flows and considering your own flow of life and, you know, how you're sort of working towards your ultimate destination. Um, I think it can be a really beautiful, more spiritual practice to be conducted, you know, by rivers. Um, again, they have the beautiful, you know, sounds of the running water and, you can really see those like wave patterns in a cool way. So rivers are great. Um, and then the last chapter is urban environments, so cities. And this is definitely probably my favorite chapter. It was really fun to consider how you could, you know, explore a city environment like you would, you know, a natural, you know, untouched landscape. Um, and I think it's really necessary for us to do so. I don't, I don't want anyone to, you know, read the book and think like, okay, now I have to like, pay to take a trip to Yellowstone or a national park or anything like that. You know, it's really about you know, bringing these practices to wherever you personally live. So one fun way to do that in a city that I've tried is um, taking an urban hike. And this was an idea that came to me through actually through hiker who was in a city environment and has found ways to continue that like hiking mentality in an urban space. Um, but it's essentially the same thing as, you know, a normal hike, you sort of map out your route and you can choose different landscapes or, um, scenes along the way that you want to hit. So I've done, you know, urban hikes where the theme is bookshops. So I'll find different bookshops in different areas, um, and hit them all, you know, in the course of a few hours. And again, sort of go out with the intention of like noticing my surroundings as I'm going from place to place and, you know, seeing if I can weave through any parks on the way and just making it a more disintentional experience, I think can be really fun. And it's such a good way to see different parts of your city or your place that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. So I would encourage folks to do that. And yeah, those are the, those are the eight. I love it. Thank you for sharing them. They're great. <laughs> and some great tips in there as well of how to connect to each one. So thank you for sharing those. So how can we bring nature into our homes in a meaningful and restorative way beyond just health plants? So I know we've spoken a little bit about the senses, but is there any other top tips or suggestions you have for us? Yeah, definitely. I think another really helpful thing, and you know, it's funny, a lot of um, the people who I interviewed for the book actually did this innately. And I realized that it makes a big difference. If you are someone who works from home or spends a lot of time, you know, indoors, um, like sitting in a certain spot, if you can position that spot, so it's looking out of a window, I think it makes a really, really big difference. Um, just cause that way, you know, every time you sort of look up from your screen, you're taking in that, that natural environment and, um, you know, sort of reaping some of those benefits. So I think that's a really big thing. Um, just in terms of how you lay out your home, that can be really helpful. Um, and then I'd also encourage people to set up a little spot for that, like window gazing exercise. Like I actually need to do this. I have not done it yet, but you know, 
keeping on this idea that taking a break, it can be really helpful to just like look out the window onto a, a part of, you know, nature. If you have a view, say of a tree from one of your windows, like can you set up a little nook or something right next to that window where you can go to just relax and look out and like make that really cozy, inviting area. Um, I think that's a nice practice, especially as we head into the fall and winter months where we might not be able to get outside quite as much. Yeah, I love that. And I'm quite lucky. I've got a window right here to my left. So right next to my desk, but I'm overlooking houses. So when I move, I definitely I'm going to manifest a house of a nice like overlook over nature from my office because I think that's what I want moving forward. So it's not just um, bricks and buildings I'm looking at <laughs> on some green yeah. of nature. Definitely. Even just one tree. It's cool. They've actually done research to show that like as long as you have some green outside of your window, you can, you know, reap some of the stress-reducing benefits. I love that. Love that. Well, my last question to you today then, Emma, is what is one piece of life advice that you would like to leave my lovely listeners with? Yeah, I mean, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I would just encourage everyone to, to get outside and really, you know, pay attention once, once you're there. Um, and then I think building off of that, you know, thinking about, the landscapes in nature where you really feel connected to, whether it's the place where you grew up or maybe the place you live now or a place you've had, you know, an incredible experience um, before. And just think about how you can like pay it forward to that landscape. Um, in the book, I outline, you know, a lot of different actions people can take to protect each landscape moving forward, but, you know, make it sort of a two-way street. Like I encourage just people to consider how they can have a more reciprocal relationship with nature. Um, that's something I'm sort of it's the journey of my life so it's um yeah it's fun love that thank you for sharing amazing well let's talk about your new book then return to nature so where can we get it what can we expect and what's your favorite part of the book <laughs> yeah okay so return to nature it came out in april in the u.s um so it should be available just online wherever you know books are sold um and in terms of my favorite part of it I would definitely say I think the the urban landscape chapters of the city chapter you know as someone who lives in a city writing that really did change my perspective on you know my surroundings and I hope it, it does the same for any other city dwellers who read the book amazing and what can we expect to learn from the book um yeah just like every um you know, a bit more about every sort of landscape that I touched on briefly. It goes like really in depth onto both the research and then also the spiritual, you know, side of what sort of makes each landscape special in that sort of unquantifiable regard. Um, <clears throat> and then it has those actions to take to protect each one as well. So that's sort of how it's laid out. Love it. Well, I will, of course, put a clickable link to Emma's book and website below so you can go and check those out. But where can my lovely listeners find you, Emma, if they want to learn anything more about your work? Yeah, so my website is just my name, emmaloe.com, and that has links to like recent writing and things like that. Um, also on Instagram at E-M-M-L-O-E-W-E, not on TikTok or anything yet, but uh, maybe one day I'm not quite hip enough, but yeah, mostly Instagram. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Emma, for coming on today. It has been such a joy learning all about nature. I've got tons of top tips I'm going to take away and try. So thank you so much for sharing them. And thank you for sharing your pearls of wisdom with us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Emma. This was fun.
So thank you so much, gorgeous souls, for listening today. I really hope you've enjoyed Emma and I's conversation. As always, you can find a clickable link to Emma's work in the description below. And if you want to find out anything more about myself, my coaching, my videos, my books, or anything else I have to offer, you can find it all at emmamumford.co.uk. So thank you so much, guys, for listening. I appreciate all your views and listens. Don't forget to subscribe if you're new here because I would love, love to see you again soon. Don't forget you can join my free Law of Attraction support group over on Facebook where you can join myself and other like-minded souls where we talk all things Law of Attraction and spirituality. I hope you have a fantastic week, whatever you are up to, and I'll see you all in my next podcast episode, which will be next week. Lots of love. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.